Parse, the official podcast of the Elaheo Midyar Mir Jalali Institute of Iranian Studies at the University of Toronto. In Persian, Parse means strolling or wandering around as an observer of contemporary life and modernity. In a similar spirit, our podcast Parse aims to take our listeners on an intellectual stroll in the field of Iranian studies, where they can listen to different ideas from leading thinkers, academics, activists, and authors in the discipline. Our podcast will provide thought-provoking excerpts from lectures and seminars organized by the Iranian Studies Institute at U of T to make the extensive work we do with our partners more accessible to academics and non-academics alike across Canada and beyond. The 75th episode of Parse is an excerpt of a talk given by Dr. Eric Annenby and Dr. Jafar Sheikhul Islami on mapping Iranian languages using Kurdish as the case study. Eric Annenby is a professor in linguistics and French at Carleton University. His research focuses on do- documentation and mapping of Iran's languages. Currently, he works with an international research team as editor of the Atlas of the Languages of Iran. Jafar Sheikhul Islami is professor in applied linguistics and discourse studies at Carleton University as well. A world-renowned expert in the sociolinguistics of Iranian languages with a focus on Kurdish, he has served as special issue guest editor for the International Journal of the Sociology of Language and is lead editor of the forthcoming Oxford Handbook of Kurdish Linguistics. Salam and slow. It's a real honor to be part of this series. And in some ways I'm doubly a guest. Uh, first, because I have the privilege to be here and present with my respected colleague, Professor Jafar Shihol Islami, but also because I'm not an expert on Kurdish. My background is in language documentation and mapping, and where I work with languages in Iran, my experiences have mostly been with language communities from southwest Iran, Melirum, Balikharo. But my interest in Kurdish comes from the fact that there are vibrant academic and popular discourses around the linguistics of Kurdish, which come out clearly in the area of language mapping. Both the maps we encounter and the representational decisions that we as mappers have to make in our own work on the mapping of Kurdish. So thank you for your interest and patience while I bring my questions and observations. As a person who's looking in at the field of Kurdish linguistics, looking in from the outside. I also want to thank the team members that I work with from the project on the Atlas of the Languages of Iran for the, um, the, the productive and generous research that they've enabled, both in documentation and mapping of Kurdish, which is really still in its early stages, and in the documentation of all Iranian languages that, that is taking place. So thank you so much. As we stated in the abstract for this talk, there's a growing body of linguistic research and language language maps of Iran, uh, sorry, of Kurdish. And today we're gonna look at some of these, uh, dozens of them. And by analyzing and comparing them, we'll try and set the stage for a coherent understanding of the linguistic geography of Kurdish. At the same time, we'll be thinking about possible future directions in the mapping of Kurdish to address the limitations of existing maps. Kurdish, 
Well, it's a major part of the Iranian language family, millions of people living across a number of countries which are rich with a rich diversity of history and culture, speaking a diverse ensemble of language varieties. And mapping Kurdish, which is the topic of our talk today. So what does the way in which Kurdish, Kurdish is mapped tell us about Kurdish? How do people think about Kurdish? Well, Kurdish is one of the world's hundred most spoken languages, spoken across an area that's quite a bit larger than Germany. That sounds important, but since its official status is modest or absent in all of the countries where it's spoken, Kurdish doesn't appear on a lot of language maps of the world. That's one way that people approach the mapping of Kurdish, just don't map it. But when they do map Kurdish, what does it look like? What can we learn from maps of Kurdish? So uh, my dear colleague, Jaffer, I think you're gonna talk now a bit about what maps are and some of the ways that we can think about some of the ways that Kurdish is being mapped, please. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Zorspas, Slav Havalan, Kelecheratun, Salam Dustan, Khoshumadit. I would like to thank the Elahe Omid Yar, Amir Jalali Institute of Iranian Studies at the University of Toronto for organizing this series and for their kind invitation. It's my true pleasure to have the opportunity to talk about mapping Kurdish along with my colleague, Eric Annenby a world-renowned expert in the field. Uh, historical maps have been the first maps we have records of. That's, that's what we know. And these have always been deemed important because as Kaiser suggests, they help to naturalize and historicize the images being created of the primordial nation and its intimate connection to the sacred soil of its ancestral homeland. For centuries, language has been considered an indispensable part of that nation and ancestral homeland that Kaiser talks about. Perhaps this is the reason that many language maps have been derived from historical and political ethnic maps. We will show examples of these today. For instance, the first Kurdish history, Sharaf Nama, written in the 16th century, describes the borders of Kurdistan in incredible detail. His description of Kurdistan has influenced not only geographical maps, but also maps of the Kurdish language, especially those created by the Kurds themselves. Before showing you the maps, it's important to assert a few things about language maps. Some assumptions, if you will. One, linguistic maps cannot be disentangled from the reality of their times. Secondly, traditional language maps have often presented their, their maker's view of language. Thirdly, the presence of biases in language maps should not come as a surprise because as Murasugi tells us, everyone has a unique perspective on language regarding its structure, function, and usage. A particular perspective could be influenced by speaker's background linguistic, ethnic, cultural, religious, social, economic, language use, or language attitude. It may also depend on the linguistic expertise, for example, as an educator, translator, or language planner. We will show examples of 
such biases and shortcomings on the, on the one hand, but also some milestones that have been achieved in the field. We will conclude with some suggestions for further research towards more objective and more reliable language mapping methods in the context of Kurdish and Iranic languages in general. So how, how many kind of language maps or in the context of Kurdish could be out there? Well, we suggest five prose maps, conceptual maps, political maps, ethnic maps, and uh, prototypical language maps. Prose maps, what are they? A description that attempts to draw the boundaries of a phenomenon, example, nation, ethnic group, language, and so on, without the use of cartography. Many representations of Kurdish classification, linguistic history, and geography are written, written up as, as prose, in fact. That's before we had access to cartography. So for example, uh, a prose map by Sharaf Nama uh, in 1596, this was written by uh, Prince Sharaf Khan Betlisi, who was, uh, uh, who belonged to the uh, family Betlisi, who ruled in, in Betlis in today's Eastern Turkey. It's very interesting that how uh, the map, you should, uh, one, one thing we would like you to note is how it, it expands sea to sea from um, Hormuz, the Hormuz Strait to all the way to the uh, Mediterranean Sea. Now keep this in mind and you, we will see that this map is reproduced over and over in many different contexts, sometimes with, with, little, with different variations, mind you. Another prose map uh, would be uh, Abdurrahman Zabihi. He uh, originally from Iran and then moved to Iraqi Kurdistan and he stayed there for the rest of his life. Um, the Kurdish Academy in 1977 published his first volume of Kurdish, Kurdish Dictionary, a very remarkable, impressive uh, dictionary. And he talks about not quite the borders of the Kurdish speaking areas or of Kurdistan, but rather the borderline between the major uh, dialects as he calls them. And if we redraw, visualize what he's trying to say really um, would be something like this. So you will see the first line above the first line uh, he says this is Northern Kurdish or Northern Kurmanji. Uh, the middle one is Central Kurdish. And then uh, below under the second line, that would be Southern Kurdish. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parse. Your support is invaluable to us. To like, share, or listen to our latest episodes, please head to our pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. To watch the complete seminars, please head to the Elaheo Midyar Mujalali Institute for Iranian Studies website and YouTube page, which are linked in the description. See you again on our next episode.